Hello all my nieces and nephews, and welcome to Auntie JoJo's Library. My library is open to all listeners, but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. The month of February, we will be reading chapters from Anne of Green Gables every Tuesday, and on Thursdays, I'll be sharing fairy tales with you. This episode, we're going to read chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the Calico Illustrated Classics, Anne of Green Gables. Let's get started. Awaiting a Special Delivery Chapter 1 Miss Rachel Lynn was the town busybody. She lived with her quiet husband on the Maid Road of Avonlea. It was a small town in Prince Edward Island in Canada. Miss Rachel, as she was known, would sit for hours on her porch each day and noticed everything that went on. Nothing got by her eyes. If she saw something interesting, she wouldn't rest until she uncovered the whole story. And that's exactly what happened on that warm day in June. While knitting, Miss Rachel caught sight of her neighbor, Matthew Cuthbert, Cuthbert leaving his home. Seeing Matthew was a shy man who never went out, this was surprising. Even more curious was the fact that he was wearing his best suit. Miss Rachel was determined to find out exactly where Matthew was off to. I'll just step over to Green Gables after tea and find out from Marilla where he's gone and why, she decided. Marilla was Matthew's sister. Both had lived in Avonlea all, all their lives and neither one ever married. He doesn't generally go to town this time of year, and he never visits anyone, Miss Rachel muttered. I won't know a minute's peace until I know what has taken him out of town today. After tea, Miss Rachel set out. She didn't have to go far. The big, rambling house where the Culperts lived was just a quarter of a mile up the road. Once there, you had to make your way along a long lane to the house. Matthew Colbert's father, as shy and silent as his son, got as far away as he possibly could from the fellow man without actually retreating into the woods. Good evening, Rachel, Marilla said briskly. This is a fine evening, isn't it? Won't you sit down? How are all your folks? An odd friendship existed between the two. They were very different from one another. Perhaps those differences brought them together. Marilla was a tall, thin woman. Her dark hair showed some gray streaks. It was always twisted up in a hard little knot behind her head. We're all pretty well, said Miss Rachel. I was afraid you weren't when I saw Matthew leaving today. I thought maybe he was going to the doctor's. Marilla had expected Rachel to stop by. She had known that the sight of Matthew leaving would be too much for the neighbor's curiosity. Oh, no, I'm quite well, Marilla said. Matthew went to Bright River. We're getting a little boy from an orphanage in Nova Scotia. He's coming on the train tonight. If Marilla had said that Matthew had gone to Bright River to meet a kangaroo from Australia, Miss Rachel would not have been more surprised. She was actually speechless for five seconds. Are you speaking the truth, Marilla? She demanded when her voice returned. Yes, of course, said Marilla, as if getting boys from orphanages in Nova Scotia were an everyday happening. Miss Rachel was shocked. A boy? Marilla and Matthew, of all people, adopting a boy from an orphanage? She would be surprised at nothing after this. Nothing. 
What on earth put such a notion in your head? she demanded. Well, we've been thinking about it for some time, all winter, in fact. Miss Alexander Spencer was up here one day before Christmas. She said she was going to get a girl in the spring, so Matthew and I have talked it over and over ever since. We thought we'd get a boy. Matthew is getting up in years. He's 60. He isn't as quick as he once was. His heart troubles him a good deal, Marilla continued, so we decided to speak to Miss Spencer to pick us out a child when she went over to get her girl. We decided that 10 or 11 would be the best age, old enough to be some of to be of some use in doing chores right off and young enough to be trained properly. We'll give him a good home and schooling. We had a telegram from Miss Alexandra Alexander Spencer today saying they were coming on their fifty their five thirty train tonight. So Matthew went to Bright River to meet them. Miss Rachel prided herself on always speaking her mind. Well, Marilla, I think you're doing a mighty foolish thing. You're bringing a strange child into your house. You don't know a single thing about him. I don't deny there's something in what you said, Rachel. I've had some qualms myself, but Matthew was set on it. It's seldom, it's so seldom that Matthew sets his mind on anything. When he does, I always feel it's my duty to give in. Well, I hope it will turn out all right said Miss Rachel, in a tone that plainly indicated her doubts. Only don't say, I didn't warn you if he burns Green Gables down. I heard that once, except it was a girl who did the burning. Well, we're not getting a girl, said Marilla. I'd never dream of taking a girl to bring up. Miss Rachel would have to stay until Matthew came home with the boy, but knowing that it would be a good two hours at least before his arrival, she decided to go up the road to spread the news. It would certainly make a sensation, and Miss Rachel clearly loved to make a sensation. Well, of all things that could ever be, thought Miss Rachel when she was safely out in the lane, it does really seem as if I may be dreaming. Well, I'm sorry for that poor young one. It makes no sense. And make no mistake. Matthew and Marilla don't know anything about children. In town, Miss Rachel spoke to anyone who would listen. It seemed uncanny to think of a child in Green Gables. There's never been one here. Matthew and Mar Marilla were grown up when the new house was built. It's hard to believe there were ever children here. I wouldn't be in that orphan's shoes for anything, but mm, I pity him, that's what. But if she could have seen the child who was waiting patiently at Bright River Station at that very moment, her pity would have been deeper and more profound. That's the end of chapter one. Before we start chapter two, I just want you all to know that I am trying my very best to read this story, but I am jumbling up on all my words, as you can tell, and normally I try to edit some of that out so that the story sounds better. But I think it's important to also let you guys know, the you that are listening, that it's okay to stumble on your words. It's okay to pronounce something wrong. I did enjoy reading stories as a kid because I was in a time crunch because it was always for school. And I didn't get to pick the book because it was always for school. And I didn't have a very big vocabulary. So I had trouble with words and some words I couldn't say. So if I saw a word in a book, I might replace it with another word that I could pronounce or change someone's name. 
if I didn't know how to say it, I would just switch it and change it to something else. So if I mispronounce words or stumble on my words, I am going to leave them in as I'm reading so that you can hear how crazy Auntie Jojo is, even though I know you already know that I'm crazy. So let's start with chapter two. It's called The Orphan is a Girl. Matthew and his horse trotted comfortably over the eight miles to Bright River. The air was sweet with the scent of apple orchards. Matthew enjoyed the ride, except when he met when he met women and had to nod to them. For in Prince Edward Island, you are supposed to nod to all you meet on the road, whether you know them or not. Matthew dreaded all women except Marilla and Miss Rachel. He had an uncomfortable feeling that they were all secretly laughing at him. He may have been quite right in thinking so, for he was an odd-looking man. He had long gray hair that touched his stooping shoulders. His beard was full and soft brown. When he reached Bright River, there were no sign of any trains. He thought he was early, so he tied his horse in the yard of, Bright, of the Bright River Hotel. He walked over the station house. The long platform was almost deserted. The only living creature in sight was a girl who was sitting on a pile of shingles. Matthew barely noticed that it was a girl, walked past her so, as quickly as possible. He saw the station master locking up the ticket office and asked him if the 5.30 train would be along soon. The 5.30 train has been in and left half an hour ago, answered the man, but there was a passenger dropped off for you, a little girl. She's sitting over there on the shingles. I'm not expecting a girl, said Matthew quickly. It's a boy I've come for. Miss Alexander Spencer was to bring him over from Nova Scotia? The station master, master whistled. <sighs> My attempt at a whistle. Whistle, whistle. Guess there's some mistake. Miss Spencer came off the train with the girl. She told me you and your sister were adopting her from an orphanage. That's all I know. He chuckled. I haven't got any more orphans sitting about. I don't understand, said Matthew. He wished that Mar Marilla were here to handle the problem. You'd better question the girl, said the station master. She'll be able to explain. She's quite a talker. Matthew groaned as he turned about and shuffled down the platform towards her. She had been watching him ever since he had passed her. The girl wore a very short, very tight, very ugly dress of a yellowish-gray color. A faded brown sailor hat was upon her head. Two braids of thick red hair extended down the back. Her face was small and full of freckles. Her mouth was large and matched her grayish eyes. Matthew, however, was spared the ordeal of speaking first. For as soon as she figured out that he was coming for her, she stood. I suppose you're Mr. Matthew Cuthbert of Green Gables, she said in a sweet voice. I'm glad to see you. I was afraid you weren't coming for me. I was imagining all the things that might have happened to prevent you. I had made up in my mind that if you didn't come for me, I'd go down the track to that big wild cherry tree at the bend. I was going to climb onto it and stay all night. I wouldn't be a bit afraid. It would be lonely to sleep in a wild cherry tree, all white with blooms in the moonshine. But don't you think? Matthew had taken her scrawny hand awkwardly in his. Then, then and there he decided what to do. He could not tell this child with glowing eyes that there had been a mistake. 
He was to take her home and let Marilla figure it out. She couldn't be left in Bright River anyhow. So, all questions and explanations might as well take place back in Green Gables. I'm sorry I was late, he said shyly. Come along, the horse is over in the yard. Give me your bag. Oh, I can carry it, the child responded cheerfully. It isn't heavy. I've got all my worldly goods in here. We're about to drive a long way, aren't we? Miss Spencer said it was about eight miles. I'm glad because I love driving. Oh, it seems so wonderful that I'm going to live with you and belong to you. I've never belonged to anybody. Not really. But the orphanage was the worst. I've only been in it four months, but that was enough. It's worse than anything you could imagine. Miss Spencer said it was wicked of me to talk like that, but I didn't mean to be wicked. It's so easy to be wicked knowing it, isn't it? With this, she stopped talking, partly because she was out of breath and partly because they had reached the buggy. Not another word did she say until they had left the village and were driving down a steep little hill. I do hope that someday I shall have a white dress. I love pretty clothes, and I've never had a pretty dress in my life that I remember. But, of course, it's all the more to look forward to, isn't it? This morning when I left the orphanage, I felt so ashamed because I had to wear this old dress. When we got on the train, I felt as if everybody must pity me. But I just imagined that I had that I had on the most beautiful pale blue silk dress because when you are imagining, you might as well imagine something worthwhile. So I imagine a big hat full of flowers, a gold watch, and gloves and boots. I felt cheered up right away and enjoyed the trip to the island very much. She looked at all the tall trees. Oh, there are a lot of cherry trees, all in bloom. This island is the bloomiest place. I love it already. I'm so glad I'm going to live here. I've always heard that Prince Edward Island was the prettiest place in the world, but I never expected to live here. It's delightful when your imaginations come true, isn't it? Matthew, much to his own surprise, was enjoying himself. He had never expected to enjoy the company of a little girl, but this freckled girl was different. When they had driven up the hill and around the corner, Matthew said, We're pretty near home now. That's Green Gables over. Oh, don't tell me, she interrupted. She shut her eyes. Let me guess. I'm sure I'll guess right. She opened her eyes and looked looked about her. Over in the southwest sky, a crystal gray white star was shining like a lamp of guidance and promise. That's it, isn't it? She said, pointing. Matthew slapped the reins on the horse's back. You guessed it, but I reckon Miss Spencer described it so you could tell. No, she didn't. I hadn't any real idea what it looked like, but as soon as I saw it, I felt like it was home. Oh, it seems as if it must be in a dream. Do you know my arms must must be black and blue from the elbow up, for I've pinched myself so many times today to see if it was real. But it is real, and we're nearly home, aren't we? Matthew stirred uneasily. He felt glad that it would be Marilla and not he who would have to tell this child that she wouldn't be home for long, for this was not her home after all. Chapter 3. A Shock for Marilla The yard was quite dark as the horse and buggy entered. Marilla came forward as Matthew opened the door, but when her eyes fell on the child with the long braids of red hair, she stopped. Who is that? she demanded. Where's the boy? There wasn't any boy, said Matthew. There was only her. He nodded at the child, remembering that he had never asked her name. No boy? But there must have been a boy, insisted Marilla. We sent word to Miss Spencer to bring one. We didn't bargain for a girl. The child remained silent. Suddenly, she seemed to grasp the full meaning of what had been said. Dropping her bag, she jumped forward. 
You don't want me? She burst out. You don't want me because I'm not a boy? Nobody ever wants me. I might have known it all was too beautiful to last. I'm going to burst into tears. And burst into tears she did. Marilla and Matthew looked at each other across the buggy. Neither of them knew what to do. Finally, Marilla spoke. Well, there's no need to cry about it. Come inside. Let's get you settled for the evening. The child raised her head quickly. She revealed a tear-stained face and trembling lips. You would cry too if you were an orphan and you had to come to a place you thought was going to be your home. Then you find out they didn't want you because you weren't a boy. Oh, this is the most tragic thing that has ever happened to me. Marilla's grim expression softened a bit. Well, don't cry anymore. You'll have to stay here until we sort this mess out. What's your name? The child hesitated for a moment. Will you please call me Cordelia? Call you Cordelia? Is that your name? asked Matthew. It's not exactly my name, but it's what I'd like to be called. It's such a perfectly elegant name. Don't you agree? I don't know what on earth you mean, said Marilla. If that isn't your name, what is your name? Anne Shirley, she said, but please do call me Cordelia. It can't matter much to you what you call me if I'm only going to be here a little while, can it? It's such a beautiful name. I don't like Anne. Anne is a good, sensible name, said Marilla. You've no need to be ashamed of it. Oh, I'm not ashamed of it, explained Anne. I simply like the other name better. If you call me Anne and spell it with an E, I shall not ask to be called Cordelia any longer. The E makes Anne look fancy. I do some like to, sometimes like to pretend I'm fancy. Very well then, Anne spelled with an E, said Marilla. Can you tell us how this mistake came to be made? We sent word to Miss Spencer to bring us a boy. Were there no boys at the orphanage? None at all? Miss Spencer said that you wanted a girl about 11 years old, and the matron said she thought I would do. I was delighted to come. Did Miss Spencer bring anybody over besides you? asked Marilla. She brought Lily Jones for herself. Lily is five years old. She's beautiful and has nut brown hair. If I was beautiful and had nut brown hair, would you keep me? No, said Marilla. We want a boy to help Matthew on the farm. A girl is no use to us. They sat down to eat the meal that Marilla had prepared. You're not eating anything, said Marilla sharply. What's wrong with my food? She sighed. I can't eat a thing, not one bite. I'm in the depths of despair. Can you eat when you're in the depths of despair? I've never been in the depths of despair, so I can't say, responded Marilla. Then I don't think you can understand what it's like. It's very uncomfortable feeling in a very uncomfortable feeling indeed. She looked at the table full of food. Everything is extremely nice, but as I said, I cannot eat. I guess she's tired, said Matthew, who hadn't spoken since the return from the barn. Put her to bed, Marilla. Once Anne was sleeping, Marilla spoke to Matthew. Richard Spencer's folks have twisted the message somehow. One of us will have to drive over and see Miss Spencer tomorrow. We'll get to the bottom of this. The girl must get back to the orphanage. Yes, I suppose so, Matthew said reluctantly. You suppose so, screeched Marilla. Don't you know it? Well, now, 
she's a real nice little thing, said Matthew. It's kind of a pity to send her back when she's so set on staying here. Matthew, you don't mean to say that. We can't keep her. Matthew stammered. Well, now, no, I, I suppose, you know, not exactly. I suppose we could hardly be expected to keep her. I should say not, agreed Marilla. What good would she be to us? We might be some good to her, said Matthew suddenly. Matthew, I believe that child has bewitched you. I can see as plain as plain that you want to keep her. Marilla threw her hands up in the air. She's a real interesting little thing, persisted Matthew. You should have heard her talk coming from the station. I can hire a French boy to help me and we should we could keep her. She'll be good company for you. I'm not suffering from company, said Marilla shortly, and I'm not going to keep her. Well then, I suppose that's the end of that, said Matthew. He rose and put his pipe away. I'm going to bed. After putting her dishes away, Marilla went to bed with a scowl on her face, and upstairs a lonely, friendless child cried herself to sleep. Thank you so much for joining me in my library for the reading of these chapters from Anne of Green Gables. If you have story suggestions, please email me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.